Hey, this is Rachel McElroy. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Hey. Hi. That's the sound of my bones rattling around in my body. It sounded kind of like a choo-choo train. It did. It did. It did. Well, my body's like a train. I've been told that before. When I was, do you remember when I was a gym instructor at Good Gym Plus down in the city? Yes. I would commute down to the city to Good Gym Plus and I would do I would do uh push-ups 101 and the people would come in and they would do like five more push-ups than they ever thought they could do and they'd be like, "Wow, how do you your body's like a train." Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, um I get told that all the time. Mm-hmm. No, I've always thought it. So, that's weird that you haven't like said it out loud on the show before mm-hmm. though. Um, I burned my finger, but good, didn't I? Downstairs, did. didn't I? You got some sweet potato fries out of it. And, and I know it's not relevant to the show, but it's it does sting like a real, like a goober. After you did that, I kind of struggled with... Well, how you should respond? I sort of well, detected that you didn't really know how to respond. Because I had this feeling of like, should I have told him it was hot? Um, But I figured you would... It was uh, hot fries. It was hot fries. I did know it was hot fries. Yeah. You said I've made fries. Um, and they were still in the pan. And they were still in the pan. I should have assumed hot fries, but I did touch it just with the little tip, tippy tip of my f- pointer finger. So um, a lot of marriage, mm, what I've learned, yeah, is is trying to find the line mm, between supporting your partner, yeah, and then making them think you don't believe in them, and trying yes. to figure out what you can say at what point. And so I didn't want to say, hey, this pan I just got out of the oven is hot, Griffin. Sure. Love means never having to say, hey, that pan's hot. (laughs) Hey, do you have any small wonders? Uh, So there's a new season of Heavyweight, which is a podcast I like very much. Oh, yeah. Uh, It just came back this month, and it's super, super great. If you haven't listened before, uh, it's not on this network. Sorry. Uh, But it is uh, a reporter, Jonathan Goldstein, Mm -hmm. I believe, uh, interviews people that have something from their past that they would like to reconcile. And then he does a lot of research and tries to tack down like historic events associated and do a lot of like sleuthing and connect them. Uh, so it's super interesting. So the new season, the very first episode with is with Rob Corddry. Mm. And he has this memory of breaking his arm as a child. And every single one of his siblings, including his parents, do not think it's true and do not remember it happening. Whoa. So Jonathan Goldstein goes as far as to get medical records from the hospital he says he went to because his parents and family refused to believe wow. that it happened. Don't spoil it. That I sounds won't. so good. I know it's Just, very good. Justin and I think Travis are always speaking mm-hmm. very highly uh, of this yes. show. I want to check it out. Yes. Uh, I want to bring, we got these um, pumpkin spice sandwich cookies from the yes. store. Yes. Um, I think they're Central Market they brand, are. but they're, I know, Oh, they have them at Trader Joe's too. They're so good. I mean, they they blend my love of autumnal flavors and sandwich cookies. Um, not sandwich cookies, Oreos, because Hydrox is a fucking joke um, that God played on the world because of our sins. Um, what else? New episodes of uh, Terrace House opening new doors. We finished those up. Those <laughs> yeah, we already finished them. Oops. Um, I got an, uh, another pocket operator. I think I'm just going to keep buying these things. It's uh, they are so these are like little. Uh, synth engines made by the people who make the OP1, which I talked about on the show before, that little keyboard uh, synth thing. And you, you can see them right there on my uh, bookshelf. They look like little calculators. They're so little. They're so little, but they're basically like little sequencers. You can make cool jams with them, and they're so little, and I like them. I'm kind of obsessed with buying like music 
uh, synth stuff because people make really, really neat, like aesthetically neat shit. Uh, and I don't know, I'm too old to collect Pokemon cards. So. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, hey, you're up first this week. I am. You are. My first thing is the band Jungle. Jungle. This is a band that I felt very familiar to me. And I figured out maybe why they do. Uh, when they came to South by Southwest in 2014. Okay, so maybe that's where it, Rachel messaged me earlier today. Like, have you've talked about this band on the show before? And I was like, I have not heard of this band before. I don't know how you're. you're... Also, one of their songs was used in a Toyota Yaris commercial. That's probably what it is. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this is an English modern soul musical collective based in London. Uh, Jungle was founded by. Tom McFarlane and Josh Lloyd Watson. Todd uh, McFarlane, the Spawn writer? Tom McFarland? Oh, uh, okay. That's not the Spawn guy. Okay. <laughs> the guy who made Spawn is named Todd McFarlane. That's my uh, just my deep well of comics humor that I'm pulling from. Is it hard for you sometimes that I don't know stuff like that? No, I would be more worried if you did know. I know you don't know anything about comics, and so if you were like, but I do know everything about Spawn, I would be like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's an issue. Uh, so this duo lived next door to each other growing up, uh, and they went on to form Jungle at the beginning of 2013. Uh, and if you watch their music videos, they're pretty incredible. They uh, they put a lot of emphasis on uh, the performance of other people, yeah. basically. So the two of them do not appear in their videos, but they have incredible dancers in every single one of their videos. Apparently, and I, w- I wasn't familiar with this, but there was a song, Platoon, that was released in 2013. And it was a six-year-old girl in a pla- purple tracksuit breakdancing. Hell yeah. And uh, it racked up five million v- views on YouTube. The, vi- um, the video you sent me was awesome. Yes. Uh, it reminded me of that super fresh. I don't know if you ever saw, I think I sent it to you, the Spike Jones Apple Home commercial uh, where the woman like pushes into the walls and they keep moving back and then she just has like a wild dance solo. It, it really, really reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so their first album uh, came out in 2014. It was uh, called Jungle, mm. appropriately. And I wanted to play a little something from the track that was used in the Toyota Yaris commercial. Okay. It's called Busy Earning. Uh, so if you read reviews about Jungle, uh, the genre of music they do, uh, you'll see it described as mid-tempo 1970s style funk. Uh, their influences include Disclosure, Marvin Gaye, uh, and um, Sly and the Family Stone. Hell yeah. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They only after the release of their first album were they able to quit their day jobs. Um, but they said that it's still they'll go and play to 10,000 people in Glastonbury and then go to Luxembourg and play to 50 people. So they're still kind of like finding their <laughs> yeah, way sure. at that point. Uh, and then just recently, as of last month, they released their next album, which was called Forever. Uh, they recorded it in London and they describe it as a post-apocalyptic radio station playing breakup songs. <laughs> uh, I read a lot of reviews uh, that compared 
this uh, the sound to kind of Michael Jackson's Off the Wall and the band Junior Senior. Okay, wow, that's a lofty yeah. comparison. Uh, and so I wanted to play a song from the new album called Happy Man. Uh, so this reminded me the other day, Griffin and I were trying to find songs that would motivate our son to dance. Yes. Uh, and we were just kind of trying to come up with all the dance jams we could think of. And I thought of Jamiroquai's Virtual Insanity. That that video, that song, that mm-hmm. singer still fucking bangs. It is the yeah. best shit. And so when I was watching Jungle Stuff today, just like the music and the videos, I was like, oh, man, this like scratches that itch for me. Yeah, It's for just sure. like a kind of a dancey fun, but like unusual sound, you know, like not exactly like, you know, what you hear in like EDM, for example. Yeah, totally. Do you want to know my first thing? Yes. My first thing is a Japanese manga artist, strap in folks, uh, named Junji Ito, uh, who makes some very, very spooky stuff. I wanted to talk about it because it's it's the Halloween season, and I've been kind of obsessed with his work. How did um, you happen upon this? Sort of in the the ether, right? Like sort of in the nerd pop culture ether. He's extremely prolific, and his works have inspired like lots and lots and lots of different people. Um, and a lot of the sort of threads that he has woven have been parodied in, in other things. Uh, his work has been adapted in so many different forms. Oh, okay. He is just, he is just like a, he is a, a beloved, just a horror writer. And I'm, I'm, I'm fairly new to him. Uh, I think I probably like became aware of his work and started reading it last year. Um, uh, because I don't like read manga. That is like one area of nerd expertise that I've never really dabbled in. Um, but his stuff is so good and the the scariest stories I've ever experienced in any medium ever. And speaking of, like, I, we've never done this, I don't think, on this show before, but I want to, like, include a legit content warning because some of his work does involve, like, uh, like body horror and um, and like self harm in some of them. So if if that's something you are sensitive to, uh, I would not seek out his work. And if you want to skip ahead, totally understand. I'll actually drop in the time code for uh, when when we're done talking about this right here. Eighteen minutes and thirty four seconds. So there there are a few things about his work that I think really make him stand apart from other sort of horror creators. Uh, And the first thing is just the art style of his work. Um, I don't know if you ever, I don't think you, you did not like grow up in the church, so I don't think you would have exposure to this, but there are these things called chick tracts. And you've told me about this. They were basically like little booklets with like horrible, horrible, like uh, scare, scare you into the church, like uh, stories in it. Like, uh oh, did you hear about uh, Cindy? She started playing Dungeons and Dragons and it became witchcraft. And it would have little annotations like saying like where in the Bible it says not to play Dungeons and Dragons. Like, no, okay, but okay. Is this like a Baptist thing or is this like a. This is a, I don't know. I don't know. But there was something about the art style of those that kind of reminded of Junji Ito's work in that both are sort of designed, I think, to be unsettling. Is the best word I can use to describe his his art style. And like each each story definitely has a like a dubstep drop page in it where you see the 
subject of terror that the the story is based around and where his books really succeed is uh almost always before you get to that page that is like the horror climax of his story you get one last panel on the page before of a character like reacting to it and then it's up to you to turn the page and see the very very scary thing on the next page have you read this in like physical form or is Uh, i've read yeah i had a i i I have one of of his books Uh, a lot of them are archived online also i wonder how do they replicate that online uh, just like clicking through oh, okay. different web pages. Um, so so his work is unsettling, right? And that that climax page is scary as fuck. Like it's very scary. But just the people in these stories, usually just just people talking, is unsettling because of the way it's drawn. Uh, the the people in his stories are drawn with a very sort of uncanny valley effect. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's very much like that where they're like very realistically drawn, but just kind of fucked up mm-hmm. so that everybody looks like panicked all the time. It is it is it is really it sets a creepy tone for all of his stories. Um, but the other thing that I really, really love about his work is that the, the the subject of the stories that he writes, the thing that is horrifying in the stories that he writes, is almost never like a monster. It's almost never like a killer. He does have stories about those, and they are usually very cleverly done. Um, and there's one, sorry, I have to mention about an author who's like having a hard time getting writers, uh, getting over writer's block. So she goes to a store to buy a chair uh, and... Uh, to, to like sit in so she can write her stories and become inspired. And this guy sells her this chair and tells her this story about how uh, this, this guy gave this chair to another author. And he was so obsessed with this author that he built the chair so that he could be inside of it. And so it's a chair that a man is inside. So like while you're sitting in it, uh, which is like funny, but also when you yeah. see it fucking so scary. Yeah. So there is some stuff about like a, a, a subject, right? A person or a being that is coming off after you. Most of the time though, the thing that is scary in his stories are intangible. They are completely intangible. They are they are forces more than anything else. Um, I had a hard time sort of putting this to words. Wikipedia had a great way of summarizing it. They said uh, the universe Ito depicts is cruel and capricious. The characters he off uh, the characters often find themselves victims of malevolent, unnatural circumstances for no discernible reason or punished out of proportion for minor infractions against an unknown and incomprehensible natural order. Um, to give you an idea of what that looks like. I think probably one of his most famous works, uh, he had he had lots of like long running series and then he did lots of like short story, just like one shots. Uh, and, and one of his most famous ones and most like referenced ones and the one that I actually discovered first was called uh, The Enigma of Amigara Fault. Um, and I think it's fucking so scary. It has been parodied a lot. There's like a Steven Universe gag uh, kind of making fun of it. But like, I also think the source material is super scary. It's a short story about this fault that opens up after an earthquake uh, that is uh, covered in holes in the shapes of people. Uh, just this side of a mountain is covered in holes, basically in the silhouettes of, of people. Uh, and these holes lead deep, 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 deep into the face of the mountain. Uh, and... And as people arrive to study this phenomenon, uh, people realize that the holes are in their exact shape. Um, and so people start compulsively, uncontrollably, not uncontrollably, because they know what they're doing, but they cannot resist the 
the urge to enter their hole and get sucked into the mountain, never to be seen again. Uh, and it's so scary to me because it's incredible. It's not at the end of the day, like the horror in that story is like inside of us. It is about, uh, it's about morbid curiosity. That Mm -hmm. is the villain in that story. And it's so like, relatable and so like in the story so inescapable as a, most of like the 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 antagonists of his stories are uh it it's 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 just really really scary to me there's another series that i read um all of this last week and it's why i wanted to talk about his work because i just like got so consumed by it uh he there's a series called uzumaki uh where a town becomes afflicted by a spiral curse where people just become obsessed with the shape of a spiral or, or they're like otherwise like cursed by spirals. Like people start growing snail shells on their back. Uh, there are people who start growing their hair into spirals and it like comes alive and starts killing them uh, th- or otherwise like just sort of spirals leading to, to people's horrific deaths in this story. The villain is a shape. Like the villain is just the yeah. shape, a spiral that people become obsessed this, with. Like, and I hope this isn't reductive, but it sounds a lot like what works so well with shows like Twilight Zone and Black Mirror. Yeah, you know? for sure. Absolutely. Where it's not like a big, crazy, like, you know, alien that's coming after you, but like a, a more psychological horror. A more like oppressive horror yeah. too is kind of what he deals in. He has a story called a, a series called Hellstar Remina that is just about a sentient giant planet descends on Earth and then it's going to eat it and people start freaking out and what yeah. do you do when that's about to happen and it gets buck wild. All of his stories like also kind of deal with like the breakdown of society uh, and and what that does to us and how we become villains in that in that sense, but. Um, yeah, his, his work is utterly terrifying to me. It is like, I have a, I have a pretty strong stomach. Like I love watching horror movies Mm -hmm. and most of the time I'm not like, especially scared of them. Uh, I just sort of enjoy them for, for what they are like a really well-crafted horror movie. These scare me quite bad. These, uh, I may have had some, some, uh, some bad, some bad dreams, some of those dark thoughts, (laughs) uh, after, after reading these all week, but, uh, they are also very, very good. Um, you can you can find some of them online uh, or, you know, buy collections of them on, you know, whatever bookstore you you prefer. Uh, can I steal you away? Was that a what's what song was that? No diggity. Was it? <laughs> no diggity has words a lot of words though i don't know the words to no diggity i like the way you work it no well, diggity. Yeah. yeah but but the whole improvement it was a mashup and i'm not gonna it was a great mashup thank you it was so good <laughs> i thought girl talk had broken into our house griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh meals to be delivered to you they can only be for dinner that's true because of the law but wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's Factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> 
Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this, this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia <laughs> Styles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain i have some jumbotrons for you let's do the damn thing This first message is for Lauren and Jack. It is from Ginny. Congratulations on your engagement. Lauren, you're the most gorgeous, caring person I've ever met, and I'm so grateful to be in your bridal party. Jack, I made a lot of grand statements in college, but I stood by the best one, that we would be lifelong friends. Let's co-op Stardew forever. You're both so, so wonderful. Love always, Ginny. Do you think co-op Stardew is like a drugs thing? I figured you would know. I do know. They talk about Stardew Valley, and you yeah. can play a co-op okay. now. Hey, will you farm with me? Maybe. Uh, what does that mean? What do I have to do if I farm with you? You know, water the plants and help. You'll get, you'll get 50%. Um, do, do I have to do it all the time? Every every day, yeah. Are but you, like multiple times a day? Yeah, every hour. Um, but you get lots of virtual money that you can okay. spend on virtual drugs. Okay. So what's the second Jumbotron? The second message is for Jeff. It is from Seth. Honk. Jeff, my sweet boy. Yes, you, Jeff, who loves Seals and Bucky Barnes. You are wonderful, and I think lovely Griffin and Rachel are the perfect conduit to say so. Here's to our quote-unquote flirting via iMessage stickers corn. (laughs) Simultaneous screenshots of CRJ's I Really Like You. And editing our names onto pics of cats cuddling. Endless smooshes, Seth. Um, corn? Oh, how sweet is it that? It is a yeah, sweet, I'm sweet message. Sure I'm that, very but, into it. If you want to drop your like, in, your uh, your inside jokes stuff on our show, go for it. But I do, I do, I feel like you've tantalized us with corn, and that it's a mystery that I need to get to the bottom of. And that's C O R N. Yeah, not the band <laughs> corn. But maybe that's part maybe. of it. What do you look for in a book? literally if on the bag it said like this book made me shit my pants I'd be like that's I'm buying this book yeah. like like 
I think the problem with blurbs a lot of times. I like that we both want to crap ourselves <laughs> over books. What's the best way to e-read in the tub? Listen to that noise. I'm reviewing a plastic bag today. <laughs> How do you find a good book? This is the most fucked up weird shit you've ever oh, yeah, read. I you're am, like into it. I'm like, hand it take, over. Take my money. I'm Brea Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're Reading Glasses and we solve all your bookish problems. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Hey, what's your second thing? God, my voice is so raspy. What's going on? I still just, I think it's still this, just getting over the surgery, man. When's this new snoot going to pay off? It's going to let me breathe underwater, which I'm really excited about, but I haven't tested it yet. What's your second thing? <laughs> my second thing is a book by the wonderful Elizabeth Gilbert called The Signature of All Things. Hmm. This is a good book. This is a very good book. Rachel very much likes this book. A lot of books that I have read in the past 10 years or so have not made their way onto my list of favorites. Yes. Uh, this one definitely did. Like top three favorite books of all time. Well, break, break it down for them. So the book came out in 2013. It's over 500 pages. It's like epic. Uh, and you may know Elizabeth Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love, which came out in 2006 and was turned into a feature film with Miss Julia Roberts. And also for being top five best human being yes, currently living. that too. That too. Uh, so she wrote this kind of sweeping novel that starts uh, in the 1760s with the father of, of this family named Henry Whitaker. Uh, he becomes an adventurer that travels the country looking for medicinal plants. Uh, and what ends up happening is he returns to England, where he is from, and he expects to be lauded for his triumphs. And he, because he was born poor right. and, and because of his kind of scrappy upbringing, is not welcomed with open arms. So he moves his family, which is his wife, uh, his daughter, and his adopted daughter to Philadelphia. Uh, and then we just follow from his kind of um, experience all the way into Alma, who is his daughter, uh, through her entire life. So this this 500-page novel like spans generations. Kind of a 100 Years of Solitude thing. Exactly. And that's what I was going to say. That's another one of my favorite books. For sure. Uh, is that I love these books that follow like generations in the same family. Uh, the thing I googled it. Can I? Can I? I can never remember if it's a hundred years of solitude or a thousand years of solitude. So if you heard clickety clack, that was me checking. I thought it was a hundred years, and I was correct. A thousand would be a really epic, a book. long book, and it would be like then it would be like my space family. Can you trace your family back a thousand years? Sure, man. Sure. Yeah. It's at uh, t- uh, twenty-three and me. Is that what it's called? I've never done one of those tests. Yeah. The answer would be so boring. Uh, so this is this is a time period, um, and Elizabeth Gilbert talks a lot about this about her interest in like Charles Dickens and Jane Austen of this like time period where women are are kind of uh, restrained from pursuing interests that are deemed kind of unladylike at the time. Uh, but one thing that was acceptable, and uh, Elizabeth Gilbert found this through her research, was uh, women being interested in botany. Hmm. So Alma is a really tremendous student and spends a lot of time just fascinated by botany. Uh, but at the same time, feeling kind of isolated uh, and, you know, just kind of diving into her research and her study. And Elizabeth Gilbert did a lot of study 
during this time to kind of learn everything that was involved, you know, with plants. Right. Um, the thing that Alma becomes particularly interested in is moss. Uh, and I just wanted to read you a little passage. Uh, so she is kind of exploring in the gardens. Uh, and she says, uh, they're rising no more than an inch above the surface of the boulder. She saw a great and tiny forest. Nothing moved within this mossy world. She peered at it so closely that she could smell it, dank and rich and old. Gently, Alma pressed her hand into this tight little timberland. It compacted itself under her palm and then sprang back to form without complaint. It appeared to have its own weather. This was the entire world. This was bigger than the world. This was the firmament of the universe as seen through one of William Herschel's mighty telescopes. This was planetary and vast. These were ancient unexplored galaxies rolling forth in front of her. God, she's so fucking good. She's so good. You almost cussed. I no, saw it. I saw no. your mouth purse as if to curse. I would never. All right. <laughs> I saw the curse purse though. <laughs> um, I feel like when I was thinking about this book, which I love so much, um, and how much it reminds me of like kind of the whole spirit behind the show that we do yeah, of just like, there is, there is so much in the minutia that is like worth, you know, celebrating. Yeah. Uh, and Elizabeth Gilbert definitely does that. I would say in all of her books, but I feel like especially, especially this one. Yeah. The other thing that's great about this book uh, there's a lot of discussion about female masturbation. Heck yeah. Which is the one thing Elizabeth Gilbert said when she was talking about Dickens and Jane Austen. She's like, there was never any room for that. Like women. In Pride and Prejudice, there's not like an extended <laughs> cranking scene. She said, quote, I wanted to rewrite the 19th century woman's novel, which had only two possible endings. You either get married or you're ruined by a sexual or social error. You get Pride and Prejudice or Anna Karenina. You're living in the big mansion with Mr. Darcy or you're under the wheels of a train. I wanted to write about somebody who doesn't get everything she wanted and is able to look at her life and say it was an interesting one, a worthy one and a dignified one. So like you, there are a lot of scenes of Alma kind of going into a closet and exploring herself, which I remember reading and being like, cause you know, you're so caught up in the time period right. and you're kind of, especially if you've read other books that take place in this time period, you kind of like fit into the groove of like, Oh, this time period and women did this and this is how they talked to each other. And this is what the occupations were and you know, what it meant to be of this class and whatever. And then you get to that scene and you're like, Ooh, this well, is different. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so I just, I wanted to close with, um, another quote that I feel like, I mean, in, in our best moments of wonderful, I would like to think kind of describes what we try to do. Uh, she said, you see, I have never felt the need to invent a world beyond this world for this world has always seemed large and beautiful enough for me. I have marveled why it is not large and beautiful enough for others, why they must dream up new and marvelous fears or long to live elsewhere beyond this dominion. But that is not my business. We are all different, I suppose. All I ever wanted was to know this world. I can say now as I reach my end that I know quite a bit more of it than I knew when I arrived. Moreover, my little bit of knowledge has been added to all the other accumulated knowledge of history, added to the great library, as it were. That is no small feat, sir. Anyone who can say such a thing has lived a fortunate life. That is so cool. You gotta read this book, you Griffin. You gotta read this freaking book, everybody. It's so good. If I mean, if you liked 100 Years of Solitude, obviously, if you like 
you know, Jane Austen or Charles Dickens, obviously, like period pieces, if they're not your thing, which most of the time it's not mine, but you just like this kind of like sweeping look at like an entire generation. I just, man, can't, this is definitely top three. And a lot of the books in my top 10 are not books I necessarily would recommend to everybody. Sure. This is one of them. I will dip in. I haven't had a book in my brain in quite some time. Just do like an audiobook. I'll do an audiobook. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes. I'm excited to talk about it because I think you're going to be much more into it than the long form okay. uh, manga discussion that we had earlier. I want to talk about the album Surf by The Social Experiment, uh, other, formerly known as Donnie Trumpet and The Social Experiment. Oh. Uh, they So The Social Experiment is a musical outfit comprised, uh, I think most notably, uh, Chance the Rapper is one of the members. Uh, there is also... Uh, producers Peter Cottontail and Nate Fox, uh, and uh, the the former Donnie Trumpet uh, is a trumpeter named uh, Nico Segal. Uh, so when this album first came out in 2015, the the original title of it was "Surf" by Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment, uh, and I was like trying to research it and couldn't find it and i was like wait what happened uh after trump got elected in 2016 uh nico segal changed sort of his stage name and stopped using donnie trumpet as his stage name so now it's just the social experiment so this album like i said came out in 2015 it's it is oh god it's phenomenal uh it it took my world by storm when it first came out i was listening to it pretty much constantly yes i remember that um and i wasn't actually super familiar with chance like before i i got into this album uh this is where i sort of first discovered him and i'm you know I think everybody's life is improved when they have that moment of discovery. Yeah, if you're like me, you you didn't know how to get to his music because at first it was only like a mixtape on SoundCloud, I think. There was, I mean, he had dropped, he had had uh, a couple of uh, EPs, I think, at that but point. But this was like a full album on iTunes and that's when I was like, oh. And what what's really fascinating about it is that like when it was, when this album was like about to come out and they were building buzz for it, the buzz was uh, from, from a lot of like the press and, and fans was, uh, Oh shit. Yeah. Like a new chance album. That's going to be so great. Uh, and chance. The rapper was, was kind of explicit in interviews. Like this is, this is not my thing. Like I am involved in it. Uh, and he, you know, has verses on, on almost every track. Uh, but he was very clear that this is Nico Segal's album. This is like his, this is like his vision. Uh, and sure enough, like there, the, the, the mix of songs on his album is so, so, so eclectic. Like there are absolute banger dance jams that are so fucking good uh all of them across the board and there are a lot of them uh and then they are blended with just these somber horn songs just these somber sort of trumpet solos that that go on for three minutes uh and they just follow each other one one after another the like thing that ties every song in this album together is the horns that are that are behind all of it uh, and i think that's why they credited it to donnie trumpet and the the social experiment and i love a horn i love a good freaking horn huh like any any song is improved by a horn in my opinion 25 or 6 to 4 like if chicago didn't have horns in it nobody would nobody would know anything totally about true. chicago um yeah i god i love a good horn uh dave matthews band anyway ska, uh just all ska all music. ska um so like i'm i'm obsessed with this album the 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 
the dance jams are jams and the experimental stuff that is just all instrumental is like so entrancing to kind of give you an idea of like where this album goes uh i want to play a couple of songs uh the first one is probably the the most famous song off this album and one of probably the better known chance the rapper tracks uh it's called sunday candy uh which is like it's one of my favorite songs on the album it's basically just chance the rapper just singing a great song about his grandma just as it's about how nice his grandma is and how he <laughs> needs to go see her and go to church uh, so he can hang out with her on Sunday. Uh, it is, and there's a lot of guest vocals. There's a lot of guest vocals on this entire album, which I'll talk about later, but um, yeah, this is a little bit of Sunday candy. I am the thesis of her prayers. Her nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers. Only one she loves as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor. I got a future song singing for my grandma. You sing it too, but your grandma ain't my grandma. Mine's handmade, pan fried, sun dried, south side. And beat the devil by a landslide. Praying with her hands tied. President of my fan club, Santa. Something told me I should bring my so like this song is so fun and it's got like these infectious like horn riffs on it it's 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 this really great this is one of those songs like i remember where we were the first time we heard it yeah and like i remember listening to it just constantly like every day multiple times after hearing it cuz i was just so like intoxicated by it yeah and there, there's a lot of songs like that like on the album like a lot of really fun songs there's one called slip slide uh, that has a verse from buster rhymes in it which like is a seasoning that improves every meal. Um, there's just horns and Buster Rhymes. Just horns and Buster Rhymes is pretty much all you need. Uh, there's a song called "Wanna Be Cool," which is just like this really fucking catchy song about the lengths you go to for like <laughs> acceptance from your peers. Uh, they're they're all so great and they're all so fun. And then just four tracks into the album is an instrumental track called "Nothing Came to Me," which is just this like. It's haunting and it's lovely and it leads right into Wanna Be Cool. This like sad trumpet song ends and then it's so this is this is nothing came to me. The, the album just does this like constantly like swings back and forth between between genres it encompasses everything it is aided in that effort by like i said like so many guest appearances uh buster rhymes janelle monet uh erica badu uh bob like it's fucking wild there's like yeah. every track when you look at like the the credits for each song has like 14 <laughs> names after it um i it's i i don't know i i love this album it is so uh it is a classic to me and it is so like expertly made and so i appreciate it for 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 that fact but i also appreciate appreciate like an album that i can just kind of put on and it'll take me to so many different places and scratch so many different itches just in one like playthrough of and it you're an itchy guy and i'm an itchy guy um i am wearing <laughs> a sweater because it's 40 degrees in austin it's I don't know how we, we skipped fall, I guess. Um, yeah. And so I've been itching under this sweater, but I've been blasted. I turn up the stereo all the way and I put on um, uh, the Donnie Trumpet and the social experiment. It and just it, gets a different part. It gets in. It's like a, it's like a, a, a soft, sweet lotion mm. for my trained body. <laughs> I really want you to review 
uh, music professionally. I don't know how to do it, man. Like it boggles my mind. I'm I'm friends with music writers, and they're so talented. And then I I read their stuff, and I'm like, I don't even know how to like. And we talk about music a lot on this show. I, I feel like I, I feel like I am able to sort of voice my enthusiasm for music, but I would not know how to like write about it because yeah, like same. I don't I don't know how I don't know why Sunday Candy is such a good song. I don't know why Nothing Came to Me is like such a like a memorable like beautiful track, but like it is. So go listen to it. Uh, Do you want to know what our friends at home are all about this week? Yes. Uh, Elliot says, my wonderful thing is Super Mario Party. I've been a big fan of the Mario Party franchise since I was a kid, and my friends and I have been having a super great time playing the newest entry and making each other so, so, so mad when we steal each other's stars. We have this. We played it once. We did. We had four people. We lost. uh, uh, Chris Blant had to to bail, and so we... (laughs) <laughs> we took turns being his character and he actually almost won the game which tells you about the um to quote wikipedia the cruel and capricious nature <laughs> of the mario party games they are fun though uh heather says hi guys one of my favorite things at the moment is flannel sheets i always get excited about putting flannel sheets on Ooh. because it means the weather has finally become chilly in my mind it really solidifies the arrival of the fall slash winter season and the first night i go to bed with them on uh is i am so 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 cozy and content I love a flannel, uh, just in general, yeah. just flannel anything yeah, is just sure. the best. Uh, the heater kicked on in our house for the first time yesterday, and I, that that too is sort of the same like mm-hmm. checkpoint for that me. New where it's heater like, smell. Oh, it's on. Uh, it, it is. That was my first time smelling this house's heater, and I'm pleased to report it is. It, it smells like any other heater. It could have been bad. Uh, Angela says, "Hot or cold, alcoholic or not, apple or pear, all cider is good cider." Oh my gosh, that reminds me. We have this huge jug of cider in our fridge. We right need now. to drink it. We really, really need. Let's. I'm going to heat some up, and we're both so raspy for reasons beyond my comprehension. We're going to both have hot, hot cider when we go downstairs. Okay. Does that sound good? Yes. So, uh, hey, that's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Um, Thank you to MaximumFun.org for hosting our show and just what seems like hundreds of other great shows. Uh, you can find them all at MaximumFun.org. Um, shows that cover, you know, all sorts of things. Can I Pet Your Dog? For the dog enthusiast, one bad mother for the child enthusiast. You're always listening to stop podcasting yourself. Every time I get stop in the car, you are yourself. always listening. Oh to my stop gosh, just yourself. those guys. They're so they're such nice guys, and they bring like a comedian on, and the, the three of them just talk, and it's just it's nice. Um, I mean, you don't know what I know. <laughs> that's what all. And that's all they're Canadian. That's, that's what I know. They're not. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. They say they live in Vancouver. No, they're from Tennessee. Whew. I know. I still like them. I'm going to edit this out because <laughs> I think the episode's already ended, but they're from Tennessee. <laughs> um, I think that's it. So um, I just want to celebrate myself, I guess, in this moment for how brave I was doing this whole episode with a uh, a big boo-boo on my finger. Uh, a big, big ouchie. Um, you were very brave. I've I, you know, I had forgotten as a listener of you that that had happened. You were so convincing. I, yeah, and I did like the usual stuff, like the jokes and the enthusiasm. I didn't ask for a kissy uh, <laughs> on my boo-boo this whole time. So I think I deserve like a fucking a medal or something. What about a hot cup of alpha sun? Yeah, let's get to it. Bye. Money
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Welcome. Thank you. No problem. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast.